Today's episode of Seven the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Welcome to episode 56 of the Set the Edge podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow, get us on iTunes, five-star reviews. Uh, I'm your host, Justin Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-O-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4Verts. Say what's up, people, Charles. What's up? We are back with our week eight gambling picks, which is amazing that we are halfway through the season and we still don't really know much about this league. I feel like by, by the time we get to this point every year, a view like a, a view of what the league is kind of come in the form like even at this point last year the falcons they were four and three but you know they had gone on the road and beat denver they went to seattle and played them tough and uh like that was kind of starting to show themselves as an the nfc power and now i feel like we know absolutely nothing about this league this year but it's fun it's chaotic yeah it reminds me a lot of so i know sb nation wrote a lot about like a 2007 it was 2007 i think uh football season where like Dennis Dixon blew out his knee and then just complete chaos broke out. Like uh, Kansas was like a top team. Like Kansas, Missouri was like national title contention, like along with like West Virginia and like South Florida. Right. Um, like that season is crazy. This season is crazy. And then like the 2000, I think it was eight season was crazy in the NFL where like Tennessee was like the best team in football. And then Tennessee things happened and like the Arizona Cardinals went to the Super Bowl because that totally makes sense. Right. I think we're kind of in that spot right now. Like, the best teams right now are probably, like, Philadelphia, Kansas City. Pittsburgh. Uh, after that, <laughs> yeah, Pittsburgh, uh, like, Minnesota. Like, those teams, like, combined, like, it's just Pittsburgh Super Bowl championships. The other teams have not won a single Super Bowl championship, so. Yeah, uh, but without any further ado, let's dive into this chaotic league and start talking about our Week 8 gambling picks. Uh, the first game, the Miami Dolphins at the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night. The Baltimore Ravens are favored by three points, and we're staying away from this game. I mean, I got I got offered free tickets to go, and I, I said no. There's just no reason to even, like, tune into this game, honestly. No, and we don't even get to see, like, Jay Cutler standing around on Wildcat. Like, so so what's the – this is what I was talking about with you before the thing. Like, what is the purpose of going to see a Miami-Baltimore game live? Because you can see every – like – People talk about how you can't see routes, right, on, like, the broadcast. You can see routes on the broadcast in a Miami-Baltimore game. A lot of those passes are behind the line of scrimmage or, like, to fullbacks. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to pay attention to this game. Uh, like I said, I, I turned down tickets to go. I'm not. I'm probably not even going to watch the game live. There's I, like, I, what, What's the appeal here? Uh, not, it's just like Terrell Suggs is kind of having, like, an underrated year where he's top 10 in Miami's, like, second best in tackles for loss. And it's like, eh, no one gives a shit about that. <laughs> like, it was the it was the best skill player in this game since Jai has been robbed from us. Yeah. So uh, let's let's just move on. Uh, the next game is an international game. The Minnesota Vikings and the Cleveland Browns are taking their talents to London. Uh, the Vikings are a nine and a half point favorite. I am taking the Vikings to cover the spread because they're starting our Lord and Savior, Deshaun Kaiser, and Justice is taking the Browns to cover a nine-and-a-half-point spread. Why don't you start off first and detail why you're taking the Browns? Um, it's a lot of points. 
that's that's pretty much like that's my only case. Uh, if this game were in Minnesota, it'd be twelve and a half. That's a lot of fucking points. Um, Minnesota has a third string quarterback in right now. Um, I will say that, goddamn, does Cleveland look chaotic as fuck, right? Like at least at the beginning of the year, there was some some hope that there would be some structure, right? And now it, it's just very apparent that the like Deshaun Kaiser is the the starting quarterback for this team, and not like what are the odds? Like we should look this up of what the odds are for Deshaun Kaiser like throwing the last pass for Cleveland Browns because it's not like he might not even be favored. You know what I mean? I mean, who knows? Because every single week they got somebody else like they're yanking guys during the game, or not even guys, really just Kaiser, because Hogan had a horrific... <laughs> yeah, three, it's just Kaiser getting three, pulled by the neck. Yeah, three interception game at Houston, nothing happened, and then Kaiser did two picks last week against Tennessee. I mean, they, they were awful, but it's just kind of weird to see him get the short end of the stick every single time. Uh, not surprising, though. I, this is my idea. I was watching the baseball game, I think it was yesterday, and uh, they have bullpens, and the bullpen camera looks really fun. I think the NFL should have a bullpen camera, and this is this is my idea for how you save the NFL, right? So you have a bullpen camera. So a quarterback can come in other than injury, right? Like injury, whatever, anything can happen. But if you're pulling a player because of his performance, right, like you should have to have a quarterback warm up in the bullpen for an entire drive. Or if you want to break that rule, he just doesn't get the headset. Like he just – he has to like run to the sideline to get calls from Hugh Jackson. I want, I want that – I want that one drive on national television where Deshaun Kaiser has to be has to like at at the corner of his eye while he's getting up to the line of scrimmage peek at Cody Kessler just like throwing balls to Kenny Britt who's dropping them in the bullpen. Yeah, uh, I I just think like when you look at this game, you look look at the way like the uh, the Vikings defensive front has been playing, especially that defensive line. Animals. Joe Thomas is now out for the rest of the season, so you got Spencer Drango going up against Everson Griffin and, and company. I, I just I just can see this one getting out of hand by like halftime. Uh, and you, you know, usually when you have teams that haven't really gone overseas to London, like I I, I don't think that this Browns team made that trip last year. Uh, it it just seems like it, like it goes it, it becomes a disaster. We saw the Ravens go over to London for the first time and get absolutely mollywopped forty four to seven by the Jaguars. And I could just see this this one kind of going the same way. The talent advantage heavily leans in the Vikings' favor. Coaching advantage heavily leans in the Vikings' favor. Uh, I'm just going to roll the Vikings because why would I pick the Browns now? Not 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 at this point. Yeah, that that's fine with me. Moving on, San Francisco <laughs> Philly, uh, thirteen point line. The Philadelphia Eagles are thirteen point favorites, which is pretty amazing considering the fact that the Eagles were probably third in, in, in NFC East odds coming into the year? Yeah, Carson Wentz is, he's legit. <laughs> I mean, he, he cast, he, he's been legit for five weeks, five yeah. whole weeks, but like, yeah. there's no point in doubting those five weeks at this point. Like, if you want to keep being wrong, keep being wrong. Yeah, I mean, he, he did start off slowly, but I've, it's almost kind of like Watson this season where, like, each week he just gets rapidly better and better and better and better now. I don't know, like, how sustainable that is, but against a 49ers defense that just got torched at home by Dak Prescott and uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I, I don't really see why they would have any success on the road. But uh, at the same time, 13 points is a lot, so I'm teasing it down to 7, and I'm going to pair that with uh, the Seahawks game against the Texans. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, yeah, so Justice is taking the 49ers to cover the spread. I am taking the Eagles to cover a 7-point spread with a teaser. Uh so a lot of points. <laughs> that, that's my analysis for a lot of shit this week. A lot of these lines are just giant. 
And once you get to giant lines, I'm just going to end up taking – I'll take the underdog and fun Vegas and hope hope uh, me and the public – or me going against the public will bump, bump up my fucking odds for this year because we're doing horrible. Like this, this chaos season is definitely – decimated my wallet yeah it's hurting <laughs> it's, hurting. <laughs> it's hurting it's hurting a little bit uh next game the los angeles chargers are taking on the new england patriots uh the patriots are seven point favorite at home and we are both on the patriots i it, you, you can't trick me you can't trick me on this one like no. the patriot this game in los angeles would be a one point game for the patriots right like who on or who in their right mind is not taking the Patriots in Los Angeles? You can't trick me on on this being a short line. Like this is pretty much as big of a layup as you can get. The New England Patriots in like single score games. I can't remember what the stat is, but I've seen the stat floating around forever. Where it's basically like the Belichick Brady New England Patriots in single score games are like the best bet in like sports history, basically. Yeah, uh, this one seems pretty self-explanatory. I, I think that the Patriots are. They're, they're starting to find their groove like they do every year. Uh, I don't know like how much of that was because Steve Sarkeesian are just completely inept and couldn't get anything going. But they're they're. I actually actually I might I might not pick this game because I wasn't able to see the all twenty two of uh, Patriots Atlanta. So I'm not sure really sure what happened in that game. At all. <laughs> there was like okay, did you like that game on it? Like aside from being a fucking Falcons fan, right? Did you enjoy that game being broadcast from that angle? Because I kind of did and kind of didn't at the same time. It was cool at first, and it got old like pretty quick. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Because, I mean, I don't really need the end zone view. Or at least if, the, if you're going to have the end zone view, it doesn't need to be so damn tight to the line of scrimmage, you know? Like, at least pull it back a little bit where you're not just, like, watching the offensive lineman and you don't even see anything else, like, outside of the tackle box. You just see a dude just crossing randomly, and you're like, hey, there was a receiver there. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking trips on the outside. I, I don't know. I know that, like, from watching defensive – so I'll ask you this. Like, watching defensive line, I honestly like the broadcast angle more than anything else for pass rushers. Like, what, what's your thought on that? Because I think you get a good look at, like, their get off and bend. Like, I think it's harder, honestly, from the end zone angle. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't really make a difference to me, honestly. Okay, so I'm I'm limited. I'm a I'm a one trick pony. That's fine. <laughs> I'm I'm Brett I'm Brett Hundley, Brett Tebow. Just I can only do one thing. Uh, all right. Uh, the next game, the Oakland Raiders are taking on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Bills are a two and a half point favorite at home, and we are both on the Bills. I just think that the Bills are a much better team than the Raiders. And you know, sometimes those those Thursday night games can be a little. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say fluky, but it, it like it was kind of weird to see Kansas City like they were clearly a better team than the Raiders, but you just got down to the end of that game and there were like four penalties in a row uh, on the goal line, and then they ended up getting a game-winning toss. And you know to have to kind of dig out of a hole on a Thursday night game on a short week, I I, I just don't think that you can really buy into the Raiders after that game. Uh, so I'm going to take the Bills. I, I think that Tyrod and Shady have a massive day this week and. They just kind of light that defense up. I hope Shady has a massive day because Shady hasn't had a massive day this year yet. I don't think this is a um, get right game. I, I, hopefully, I mean, if they're going to have a get right game, it's got to be the Oakland Raiders. I know uh, I did the NEA stuff on Monday. I haven't updated the update uh, on SettingEdge.com, but I know I did NEA stuff on Monday, and Oakland was basically like right neck and neck with New England in terms of how bad their passing efficiency has been this year. So they might catch up and end up having the worst passing efficiency behind the Patriots defense. 
Uh, I'm kind of with you on here. Like it's just it's two and a half. Um, a field goal will get the Bills to cover this game, and I think Buffalo is just the better football team here. I think it's just like a numbers play. Yeah, and I I, I kind of want to see uh, the the Bills defensive line get to pin their ears back a little bit against the, the Raiders offensive line because Carr, I, I I mean Carr had that game that good game on Thursday night, but overall he's been pretty bad this year. A st- strong agree, strong agree there. Uh, next game, Carolina at Tampa. Tampa's a two point favorite at home. Uh, we're going head to head here, so I got Tampa and you got Carolina. Speak for yourself and uh, Cam Newton. Uh, I just think the, I think the Bucks suck, honestly. Uh, and <laughs> I know it's simple, but that's that's really all there is to it. They have one of the worst pass rushes in football now. I know the the Panthers have an awful offensive line, but I think they should be able to hold bay against the Bucks defense that will now be missing Noah Spence. And uh, I know that Jameis has been playing well this season, or at least been having a better season than Cam, but I just think that the talent level, the overall talent level kind of swings in the favor of the uh, Panthers, and I, I just kind of like them to get this done on the road with, you know, with the Falcons kind of reeling and the Saints establishing themselves as a class of division. I, I think, like, this is a point where they can kind of uh, lock in one of those top two seeds or top two teams in the NFC South. See, I don't know about that because you talked about the talent tipping toward Carolina. I think I would take Tampa's passing offense and run offense ahead of Carolina's right now. So I, I don't know. I guess if you think – I do think that Carolina's, uh, Carolina's defense is stronger than, than Tampa's offense, right? I, well, and, I, well, Carolina's defense, they've, they've been like pretty good again this year. No, no, that's what I mean. Like Carolina's defense is the strongest unit on the field, um, but their offense is just so fucking bad, man. Like I, I think what was it? Christian McCaffrey's like it's like three something, three point something yards per carry on positive runs. That's not even on negative runs. Like on positive runs, he's basically half as efficient as the rest of the running backs in the NFL. And then he has like forty targets or something already. Like he's like probably he's like top ten like targets or something like that. Which it's just absolutely crazy that they decided to run their offense, basically run their offense through someone who's running Texas routes. Like that's the exact thing that we were scared of. Uh, between that and their offensive tackle situation heading into the year, and they just haven't shown it, just any any sign of like having any brain cells in terms of their their play callers on the offensive side of the ball. I just don't get why they won't put Taylor Moten into the lineup. Like, what what's going I, on there, dude? I, yeah, I I don't know anything. Why they give Matt Khalil? What was it, sixty five million or fifty five million? I can't remember what it was. He, he, ridiculous. He's been just as bad as everyone thought he was going to be, and I think he's hurt now. So, yep. Uh, check on Bleacher Report. I wrote NFL an NFL 1000 piece about Robert Ayers and why he's very, very disappointing for his contract. He basically, basically, Robert Ayers had nine and a half sacks in the second half of the year before he hit his second free agency, and then he scored big money. He was the highest paid defensive end in that free agency market behind, or the second highest paid. Uh, behind Olivier Vernon, and he's basically done nothing with Tampa Bay. Who now, like they have, they paid him, they paid William Golston, and Noah Spence had a good year for an NFC defensive end last year as a rookie, right? Um, but he hasn't taken that the steps that he's needed to to become like a real life pass rusher in the NFL. And he wasn't really like he didn't have an elite rookie season or anything by any means last year. So like they they've kind of they kind of blew their load on three three uh, defensive ends that they've kind of locked into and it's not turning out well for him. I think, uh, what's his name? Chris Baker 
was talking crap about Tampa too about not being able to get on the field. Like he went to Twitter about it, which is he like Chris Baker was a guy that we kind of found out about last year. Yeah. And we, we were like, he's like a top 10, 34 defensive end. And then somehow he hits the open market, um, didn't get the money that we thought he was going to end up getting. And now he like can't find, you know, t- playing time in Tampa. And he's obviously frustrated about it. And he's probably the second best defensive lineman there outside of Joe McCoy. There's just a lot of fucking moving parts. Like it wouldn't surprise me if, do you think Mike Smith ends up becoming an interim head coach at some point this season? Ooh, that would be interesting. Uh, I don't, I don't think they'll pull the plug on Dirk Cotter unless, like, it really, really falls off the rails in the back half of the season. That's fair, but uh, totally possible. <laughs> I mean, if you're losing to Carolina at home. Hey, they, they, uh, still, they, still, they still get two games against the Falcons, so. <laughs> <laughs> there, there we go. There we go. Uh, speaking of the Falcons, uh, let's move on to the next game. The Falcons are taking on the New York Jets uh, on the road. The Falcons are a four-point favorite on the road. I'm taking the Jets because I'm just completely out on this Falcons team after the atrocity they played up on Sunday night against the Patriots. You have the Falcons. and uh, So the way that home, in a way, uh, I guess, points work. So the Falcons would be a seven-point favorite against the Jets at home, right? No. So, so okay. Three points for the Jets being at home and then three points for Atlanta being at home, right? So they would be ten-point favorites if this game were in Atlanta. That's absurd. <laughs> and this line dropped, I believe. I believe it opened up at like six and a half. So it dropped down two and a half points or whatever. Um, they gave up 20 unanswered points to the Dolphins. <laughs> you you don't have to tell me twice. Uh, I don't believe in this Falcons team very much. Shasta Julio for getting his first touchdown of the year. being very frustrated about it. Oh, my God. He was so <laughs> pissed. <laughs> he was he like, who was it, Malcolm Butler? Who he just like slung over his shoulder like it was, he was a freaking backpack. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think going into that game, Julio is on a career low for targets in a season, which is just just doesn't make any sense. No, nothing makes sense. I think uh, if you're a Falcons fan, if you're a Jets fan, or if you're someone who, for whatever reason, chose chooses to uh, watch this game on Sunday over the other options, um, look at the difference between the offensive coordinators on both sides of the, these teams. Because uh, I mean, what, what was it? You had some quote. I'll let you talk about it. You had some quote about Atlanta and like how there are people in the building who are like, yeah, Sark has no idea what he's doing. And then the Jets guy, the offensive coordinator, he used to be the wide receiver coach in uh, New Orleans. Yeah. yeah, he used to be the wide receiver coach in New Orleans. And uh, basically they're doing like they're doing like the, the five-man protection out of gun type of stuff. I mean they're really chucking the ball down the field. It's air raid. Um, yeah, it's, it's super fun. Like it's actually like halfway fun. Uh, watching uh, Josh McCown play football when he's not getting sack fumbles at the five-yard line and blowing up a historical tease effort that you try to put together. Yeah. Uh, let me find this quote because I think it was – it was no, not I think. It was our pal uh, Robert Klemko. Was, uh, he had an article up today on Monday Morning Quarterback or Sports Illustrated or whatever it's called now. But he was talking about uh, how he had spoken to some players on the Falcons team, and he wrote – Quote, they both use the same the same word to describe Sarkeesian's approach to the offense. Quote, disorganized. And we're not talking about desk clutter. Shanahan had a plan, they said. Every play and every concept and play was an exercise in, de- in deception. Set up uh, one expectation in the first half and later break that expectation for a big game in a critical moment. Sarkeesian, formerly Alabama's offensive coordinator and USC's head coach, doesn't have that same aspect of the pro game in his tool bag, they say. So, I mean... It pretty much just sounds like Sark has no idea what he's doing, and he's just kind of outclassed. And when you look at 
how the Patriots defense have been performing and the talent that the Falcons have on offense, but then you kind of put Bill Belichick versus Steve Sarkees, it kind of makes sense that they were held scoreless until like the last four minutes of the game. And there's just nothing clicking on offense right now. It's just, it's embarrassing that Tevin Coleman can't get the ball, even though they're playing against all these teams that are horrible against defending, uh, receiving running as, backs. As someone, as someone who owns Tevin Coleman in our dynasty league, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty frustrated with Sark right now. It just doesn't make it. Like, the allocation of targets, like, if you just go back and look at it game by game by game, it just makes no sense. You, like, you got games where Austin Hooper's getting about 10 targets a game. You got games where Taylor Gabriel's getting 10 targets. And then games where Julio's getting, like, four or five. Like, it, it's just it's just a total mess. And I, I, just, I didn't know that it was possible to have that much talent on offense and just completely screw it up. I mean, they're averaging 11 points less per game this season than they were last year. That's pretty much all you need to know. It's ridiculous. Uh, if your if your uh, team is in the market for a head coach, our good friend uh, Benjamin Albright talked about how Todd Wash, who I believe is still the defensive line coach in Jacksonville, or he's defensive coordinator. I think he got elevated. Yeah, he got elevated to defensive coordinator. Um, and John Morton, who is the offensive coordinator, of the Jets are the two hot coaching candidates right now who have kind of emerged uh, through the season. He also said that uh, Jim Bob Cooter is like a figment of social media. Like no one wants him as a head coach, which super smart not having a dude with, I think, a, uh, a sexual crime on his record. Uh, the name Jim Bob Cooter, obviously leading a team and then, you know, just playing a horrible style of football that Wait, will not attract any. You said you think he has one? Like, can, can we get a little we, we, a real rain check on that? I Googled his name and the first thing that came up was a mugshot. Right. Okay, yeah. He, he's I don't know arrest- if you could file it under sexual crime because I think he, if my understanding is correct, he broke into a woman's bed when he was drunk and like, her house, not broke into her bed. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Broke into her house and then like laid in bed with her and she called the cops. Yeah, he got arrested on aggravated burglary charge. Uh, All right, not a sexual crime. <laughs> <laughs> and then get just recklessly throwing that shit out there. All right, my bad. Were, okay. were the facts that I said correct? All right, let's let's talk about that. Were the facts that I said correct? Those things and the the question of me being like, was it a sexual crime or not? I, I feel like I well, he, he I did, did it well in a gray area. He did break into a woman's house and get into bed with her. Uh, but well, he, he, okay, yeah, he stripped down to his underwear, got into the bed with the woman. She called the police, found him in her bed, and he was arrested on an aggravated burglary charge. Should have been charged with more, in my opinion. There right. we go. And uh, with that, moving on. Indianapolis <laughs> Colts, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals somehow, like, the Bengals were basically written off after two weeks in the year, which, good, and then they kind of tricked us, right? Um, it, just in terms of, like, the media, where they kind of sneaked back in and it was like, maybe maybe the Bengals might be able to make a play in the AFC North because the AFC North is so horrible. Um, they're now 10.5-point favorites against the Indianapolis Colts, which – Kind of have confidence in Cincinnati, kind of have confidence in the Colts covering this line. Um, I think both of these teams are very bad. I think the Colts are – the Colts might be picking, like, third overall, honestly, this year. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take the Colts for the same reason that you're taking Cleveland in that earlier game, just because the line's so big. And I, I, I don't really trust the Bengals to blow out any team, do we? Anyone. Um, Outside of Cleveland, I, I agree which we already you. did. I agree. Uh, the one thing that I will say is, <clears throat> goddamn, I have a whole damn frog in my throat. Uh, our good friend uh, Joe Goodberry, who does stuff on for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, go follow him on Twitter. 
Um, he talks about common and uncommon opponents for Andy Dalton, and he said this is an uncommon opponent for Andy Dalton, so this should be a game that Andy Dalton looks half decent. Uh, the one thing that I would add, like, this is what I said to him. Um, I, I think the Bengals, I would have the Bengals as favorites over the, on a neutral field, right? Against the Colts, against the Browns, and against the Cardinals. And then after that, I'm not sure if there's any other team in the league that I would uh, have, as, have as an underdog against Cincinnati on a neutral field. Yeah, I, I, I'm just gonna take the Colts because it's so big, or not <laughs> because it's so big, because the spread is so big. So big. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm gonna ride with Brissett. Hopefully, he can cover that spread after they just got their asses kicked by Jacksonville last week. Uh, the next game, the Chicago Bears taking on the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are nine point favorite at home, and we are both on the Saints. The Saints have surprisingly been really, really good this year. Uh. I was not. They have like season. random, random guys stepping up. Like, uh, what's his name? Alex Okafor, who I talked about on last podcast. Like, he he's like a difference maker in New Orleans somehow. Even though like Sheldon Sheldon Rankins isn't having a great season, and Nick Fairley, you know, had that heart issue that basically took him took him out of the game. Um, and they've just improved tremendously in terms of like their pass defense. They've had all sorts of attrition issues on the offensive line. Like everyone has been hurt, but there's no team that limits penetration on the offensive side of the ball more than New Orleans this year. Dallas is second. Um, it's like honestly, uh, I can't remember the name of the off- the offensive line coach, but he he took the job I think in 2016. And last year they were the best team in terms of limiting uh, penetration on the offensive side of the ball. And they are again this year, even though they've gone through all those, all that, all those injuries and rotations and everything on the offensive side of the ball. And they had, you know, Adrian Peterson was playing running back, dancing in the backfield, all sorts of stuff. Kamara, they're they're springing him for big gains. Like I think that offensive coordinator, like, might end up being the next, or that offensive line coach, might end up being the next, like, you know, that Skarnecchia, Callahan, you know, that that realm of offensive line coach that we end up talking about. Yeah, and I I I just don't think that the Bears trust. Trubisky at all right now. I mean, they called eleven. No, no. What what, give, what what tips you off to that? They call eleven passing plays <laughs> versus the Panthers, and four of them were sacks. Like, yeah, you won. Yeah, it's not- and people are talking about, oh yeah, you know, he got that win uh, against a tough Panther squad. Eddie Jackson had two touchdowns, and then one of, and then seventy of Mitchell Trubisky's one hundred and seven yards came on one play on a short pass to Tariq Cohen. So. He's, yeah, he's, he's I, kind of a fraud, and the Bears just really, really do not trust him to get anything done right now. At all. I think uh, – what is it? I think their defenders have scored more passing touchdowns since Mitch Trubisky – or, like, interception touchdowns than Mitch Trubisky has thrown uh, passing touchdowns since he's been in the game. And I think uh, – what was it? There's some split about the second half of that Vikings game because he, he threw a lot of passes in the first half of that Vikings game. But they limited it after that. Basically, he's throwing like six passes a half in the past two and a half games. It's not not good at all. Basically, it's Chicago's defense against everyone, and it's kind of worked out for a bit. But I think, you know, when we see these interception-heavy teams, um, that stuff starts to regress if their cornerbacks aren't great. Like Jacksonville, obviously, it's still working. They have a great pass rush in front of them. Um, but teams like at the beginning of the year, I would say probably Baltimore and Detroit, those are two teams that had, you know, big performances based off of interceptions and they just weren't able to recreate it down the line because replicating interceptions is super fucking hard in the NFL, right? So I think I think uh expecting a a downturn for these these Chicago Bears is something we could expect down the line. The offensive line coach in New Orleans is named Dan Rocher and he is 
57, and it's his first time being an offensive line coach in the NFL uh, in 2016. Yeah, uh, enough about that game. Uh, it's just not very Shoot, it's the moon. Drew Brees, MVP season. Yeah. Sleeper. Certainly. I mean, he, he is a legit MVP. They, they've won four. So let's talk about this. They've won four straight. Um, we were big into the 0-2 teams, like the 0-2 starts, right? And basically, you were locked into basically one team emerging from those 0-2 teams to becoming a playoff team this year. I think it's the Saints. Um, just based off of how strength schedule is working, uh, I guess this will lead to our next our next uh, game. I, I would say probably number two on that list would be the Houston Texans. They're playing at Seattle. They're six point dogs. Yeah, I I, I think we're both teasing this game, but from the opposite direction. Uh, I'm teasing it down to a pick'em, and I'm going to take Seattle at home just because you know I. I I like what Deshaun Watson has done, but I, I think that he kind of might get bodied this week by Seattle's defense. Even though, like, you know, this hasn't been the dominant Seattle defense that we see every single year where they're just kind of strangling folks. But uh, a rookie on the road in that atmosphere, it's going to be, uh, you know, one of those primetime games for uh, for Houston. I, I just kind of think that, Maybe he keeps it close, but at the end of the day, I think the Seattle's defense makes enough plays to kind of hold this one out in the end. So I'm going to tease it down to a pick just because I don't know if they cover all six points, but I do expect them to win in the game. Uh, I'm kind of with you. Um, I think this team is good. I don't know if they can beat Seattle right now. Seattle's doing decent in those first couple games still happen for Houston. I wonder how their offensive line shakes up against Seattle because Seattle's defensive line – has kind of, so they're kind of different, right? Like Seattle's defensive line is a team that I think every evaluator would say has a bunch of talent, but their production hasn't really matched up. And then Houston is a team that, if you look at their offensive line, uh, not a great offensive line, right? Uh, but since Deshaun Watson has come in, uh, they really haven't had that horrible performance like they had in Week One against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I, I think watching you know an overperforming offensive line going against an underperforming defensive line will be interesting. Um, can, so Dwight Freeney just signed with the Seattle Seahawks. Can you name every team that Dwight Freeney has played for? Uh, I, I think I can get one that you have no idea about. I can. I think I can do it. So we got Colts, Cardinals, Falcons, Seahawks, Chargers. Oh, you got the Chargers. Because that's the one where like I, lo- I looked it up this morning because uh, I had to write about something about uh, him and four football guys. And like I totally space out on Dwight Freeney being it. San Diego Charger. Yeah, like the, that does not register in my head at all. The only time I the only actually the only reason I remember that is because I remember last season when they were uh bringing him in for like workouts before the season started, I was just kind of looking up like his sack numbers and I was like, "Wait a second, he played for the Chargers and uh, <laughs> he played 16 games and got a half a sack for the San Diego yeah, Chargers." I was, I was like, "Wait, I was like I was like I have no recollection of him like taking a snap for that team, but uh yeah. He did. Um, one, one more thing that I wanted to add to this game. Uh, the AFC South odds right now are super weird. So basically the implied odds, uh, this is for betonline.ag. They're not sponsoring the podcast or anything. I'm, that's just where I choose to lose my money. Um, the Titans are the favorites in the AFC South. And their implied, odd, implied odds are 40%. Texans are second with 36 and the Jaguars are third with 33. Those lines seem super off. Like, I don't believe in the Titans more than the Texans and Jaguars at all. No, no. I, like I the t- the Titans are legitimately awful. I know. I understand their record is the same, but like in terms of moving forward, Marcus Mariota is playing horribly. 
Um, there's no team that's penetrating less on the defensive side of the ball than the Tennessee Titans. They're the only team worse than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. That team's just not any good. Their offensive line is kind of regressing a bit. Um, DeMarco Murray isn't looking like DeMarco Murray last year. There's just so many things going on. Like, none of their – like, I can't – I probably wouldn't even be able to guess who the number one receiver in Tennessee is right now because I understand that they have names, but I'm not sure who's – you know, separating themselves from the pack there. It's probably Rashard Matthews because Corey Davis still because Corey Davis, like every other first round receiver this year, has been hurt. So I, I think it's gonna. I think it's Rashard Matthews. Yeah, and I think Taewon Taylor has made two plays all season because I've seen Taewon Taylor Hive on Twitter talk about it every single time that he makes a play. So I'm aware he's made two exact plays. Um, the grossest play, if you guys want to see the grossest play in the history of football, uh, Tennessee got tackled for a loss against Indianapolis. They were on the goal line. They had a, like, it was like, it was like, so understand there's trips, right? There's trips where it's three receivers to one side, one receiver to the other, and then you have a running back. Well, they had quads. They were quads empty, so they had four receivers on one side. Marcus Mariota was under center, and then they sent the guy, they sent the inside receiver who was actually a tight end in motion and handed the ball off to him and got tackled for a loss because they ran Basically, to a side that had no blockers on it. Like, it, it was the stupidest play I've ever seen. Um, you guys hate that Atlanta play that they ran uh, in the red zone against the New England Patriots. It was like that, but imagine one more body and they gave it to a fucking tight end. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, you get down that close to the This goal team line. isn't good. I can't, I can't believe that that team is the favorite in the AFC South. Yeah, I mean, just like once you get down that close to the goal line, that's all you got. Like, that's the best play you can come up with. The- <laughs> you know, and this is the thing is people like I don't think people understand this like you work a red zone a lot like it's a specific it's a specific section of the field that you have to work so like you have to set aside time in practice to practice that like that's how you did it in high school when you guys practice right in college yeah. I assume yeah so like they had to like they probably have ran that play 50 times since the summer and every, like no one it did not occur to anyone this is a bad idea yeah and it's just so funny because you see because even just coming out in that formation, like if we just talk about what the Falcons did versus the Patriots, it, it tips the hand to the defense. So you're going to come out under center, uh, three by two, empty set, right? So the, usually when there's a sneak or something, you have like a fullback or a running back behind the quarterback so that maybe he can push him into the end zone. But you don't have that. And then when you see Taylor Gabriel coming in motion on the jet sweep, like, as like as, and that, he's the only other guy who can touch the ball. He's on the a carry. only other guy who can touch the ball on a carry on that play. It's either Matt Ryan, and you know he's not going to get it because there's nothing, there's no one behind him. So it's got to be Taylor Gabriel. Once he come, like once you watch the play, once Taylor Gabriel starts coming in motion, Calvin Noy just like cheats over to the other sideline scrimmage. Like, okay, we know exactly what's coming here. Because why? Like, just might as well take that risk. Like, you're probably going to get a touchdown anyway. Like, if it's a, like red zones, bang bang. So. You, that's the time that you would end up taking risks to make plays like that. I don't know, man. I, I hate that stuff. Like when it's so obvious that like option plays are so efficient in the NFL now, but like even if like even the shovel option stuff, if you don't want your quarterback to get hit, right? Like all that stuff is so easy, and these guys are running these jet jet sweep plays like it's a damn high school team. Yeah, I mean, uh, what a waste of a season. Uh, all right, uh, we got three games left, so let's talk about. The Dallas Cowboys taking on the Washington Redskins. Uh, the Cowboys are a two-point favorite on the road. And I'm going to take Washington just because I, I still kind of like this team. I know they got they, they kind of got shown out on uh, Monday night against the Eagles. But I, I don't think that this team should 
be an underdog at home to the Cowboys? Because I mean, are we sure the Cowboys are a good team? I, I think they're the best. What the Cowboys are five hundred right now, right? I want to say that's true. Uh, the Cowboys are the best team that are five hundred or better, or better five hundred or worse. Um, I think Dallas is a team that it basically is the same thing that we talked about in the offseason. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, they've lost a lot of depth, and that ended up kicking them in the balls. And then uh, they've just had a super hard schedule up to this point. I mean, Washington's kind of in the same boat too in terms of the schedule. I mean, they they've basically they basically played every good team in the NFL at this point. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, Washington essentially, like at this point, they get to become – they're like that – the team that gets to like ruin your season, but they don't get to go to the playoffs. Like they're the team that's going to be – Everyone's going to talk about how they're going to be an improvement going into next year because I think at this point it's super hard for them to make the playoffs. I think Dallas should be a favorite in this situation. I'm just going to take them, honestly, just because I trust them. I've seen them do it a lot over the last two years. Um, the weird thing to me about Dallas, so people talk about like the, the regression stuff is super weird, right? Like people talk about Dak regressing. I don't think Dak has regressed at all. Um, people, people talk about that off- touchdowns than last year. It's super weird, right? Like, I think people are just doing – I think people are just saying – like, looking at their record and being like, this team is – they're saying individuals are declining when that's not necessarily true. I think on the offensive line, we've heard some of the same stuff. Um, I think at certain spots, certainly they are. Like, at guard, right? They obviously need help at the other guard, and Lyle Collins kicking out the tackle didn't help them help him in that spot. But they're like, like I said, outside of the New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Saints are number one team in terms of limiting tackles at the line of scrimmage or or in the backfield. Dallas is number two. Um, a lot of people are writing off this Dallas offensive line already, and I don't. This Dallas offensive line still has Tyron Smith playing left tackle. Um, they still have you know a boatload of talent up front. I, I don't understand why people are so low on Dallas's offensive line and like Dak Prescott stuff like that. It's it's very weird. I think it comes down to like people just not thinking and like strength of schedule not mattering and just being like well this team is 500 so obviously they can't be good when we don't look at who they've played it's just so funny to see kind of i guess the comparing narratives between uh like Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz where they both have scored 17 touchdowns this year and like it's like they're both on pace to score they're both on pace to throw about 40 touchdown passes uh with you know around 10 interceptions Dak's on pace to have a much better year on the ground but I mean that's not very surprising it's just it's just funny to see how Wentz is an MVP candidate and then Dak is going through some sort of sophomore slump even though he's playing better than he did last year yeah and like the MVP thing is super odd to me too um because I I believe Carson Wentz is still the favorite Tom Brady honestly like Brady's done more for his team than anyone else I think I think because even like Carson Wentz, like he had that like arm punt and like he like last game, right? Um, I think that stuff is going to catch up to him a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying that he's fraudulent or anything like that, but he certainly does make certain mistakes. Um, I think Tom Brady is just kind of shouldering the entire load for the Patriots, and if they end up getting you know a first round buy, I think the pay, like Tom Brady has like so t- your your top three MVP candidates right now. I think. At the beginning of the year, we probably would have said Kareem Hunt, Tom Brady, Alex Smith in any order. Uh, right now, who would be your top three? Uh, probably Brady, Dak, and uh, Wentz. See, I think I would have probably have Alex Smith somewhere up there too. 
But the thing about Alex Smith's numbers is I don't actually know how many of those passing touchdowns are actually passing touchdowns. Yeah, because a lot of I don't know how many like, of those are fucking shovel passes. Like, it's yeah, like when Nathan Peterson had the shovel passes. Like I, we gotta stop counting those as passing touchdowns. Those are rushing. It's touchdowns. the same thing with uh, Nathan Peterman, who had like I think he had four passing touchdowns against Clemson, and like three of them were shovel passes, and those still counted in the stats. And it was like, eh, that's not like he he barely you know I could have made those. Right. Right. <laughs> All right, uh, next game is Pittsburgh at Detroit. Detroit is a three-point dog at home. Uh, go ahead and talk about our Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, they're starting to find their groove. I, I think that they're a lot better than the Lions. And th- this is one of the teams that that the early season struggles. The Steelers, like, they're, they're starting to correct themselves a little bit. I mean, they, they beat the uh, – they kind of beat down the Chiefs uh, at home – last week or the week two weeks ago then they beat the hell out of the Bengals this week they're starting to figure it out uh juju smith schuster has really emerged as a weapon across from antonio brown in that offense Le'Veon bell it looks like he's starting to run himself in the shape after missing all the training camp the, like the offense is starting to click uh and ben roethlisberger doesn't have to do too much right now even though he did have a nice touchdown throw to antonio brown against the Bengals. but you know with the way that defense is playing and the way that the Steelers supporting cast is kind of showing up that that's a really talented team and maybe this is the year that they finally knock off the Patriots uh that would be cool to see because it's getting kind of boring to see the Patriots win the AFC every year but uh I I, I think that the Steelers are uh a lot better than the Lions and it just it just kind of makes sense to not overthink this one and take them uh to cover that spread okay uh go on Twitter right now I'm gonna send you a gif of Cam Jordan running through Detroit's offensive line, okay? And I just want your live reaction of, of what you see in that play because um, it, it's probably the most dominant thing that I've seen, and it was like back-to-back snaps basically. I guess two different Detroit offensive linemen. There's been no team in the NFL that has allowed more penetration on the offensive line than the Detroit Lions. They are by far the worst offensive line of football right now. And if you go back and watch Pittsburgh, Kansas City, literally the reason that Kansas – like maybe, maybe the blueprint's out on Kansas City um, – but the Jesus reason that Pittsburgh, <laughs> he's just holding those guys, right? Like the, the lines are really, really, really bad on the offensive line. If you want to look up the tweet, is just look up my handle, look up Cameron Jordan. It's just Cameron Jordan against Detroit's backup right tackle and right guard last Sunday. That's right him tackle. walking back. He he threw that guy in the staff with one arm. Good God! <laughs> so th- those are the type of guys who are getting significant snaps. Uh, for Detroit, uh, the Glasgow guy, I can't remember what his first name is. He's I horrible. I think it's uh, Henry. Henry Glasgow? Is he uh, the Henry and then, their brothers? I have no clue. I, I wouldn't want to know. They're, you're Glasgow. and I, you're, You have to earn your first name, in my opinion. It's like when, <laughs> fo- when football coaches put the tape on your helmet, that like, yeah. first day of camp. Like, ah, I don't need to know your first name. I just need to know your number and you know, the vague, vague remembrance of what your name is. Um, their left tackle, who is uh, Greg Robinson, is also super horrible. I went back and charted Detroit's offensive line snaps and, like, why these tackles for losses were happening. And those two were the two guys who graded out the worst. Um, so, basically, like, Kansas City lost against Pittsburgh because of Pittsburgh's talented defensive line, how dominant that team is up front. And that team gets to go against now the worst offensive line of football. So, I, like, if, if nothing else, like, that's important. I think Pittsburgh's passing offense is getting better at the same time that Detroit's passing defense is cooling off. Um, that's significant. It's a three-point line. I'll, I'll take Pittsburgh on turf. The T.J. Watt breaking out rookie season continues. 
Uh, I, I'm mad. So hold up. I'm mad about this. And no one is talking about Solomon Thomas. And Solomon Thomas has as many tackles at the line of scrimmage during the backfield as him. Because no one like, wants to watch the 49ers. Okay. It, it, like, you know how our attention span is. Like, now yeah, Wentz is the greatest quarterback ever because we saw him play last on Monday Night Football. That's true. It's like me saying, like, Emmanuel Ogba is, like, like first in the NFL in tackles for a loss. And everyone's like, shut shut the fuck up. No one cares he's about the He's Jadavion Clowney on a 0 and 17. <laughs> right. And when you say 0 and 7, that's where you lose people. Rightfully so, because right. who wants to watch that crap? Uh, Dem- Denver at Kansas City, last game of the week. Uh, this is Monday Night Football? That's that's what this means, I guess. Yeah. Uh, seven point line, Kansas City is a home favorite. We're both on Kansas City. Yeah. Um, Trevor Simeon is terrible. Brock Osweiler is worse, and Paxton Lynch, if he's even healthy, might be even worse than that. So. Uh, the, what do we tell you guys about Denver at home in September? Those games do not count. Like I'm, I very much believe that. Like I will go to the to my goddamn grave talking about how Denver games in September should not count. And uh, if you get scheduled to play at Denver. In September, like you should be very mad at the the schedule makers. Yeah, uh, and we we're kind of seeing that that start by Denver is kind of fraudulent. I mean, they got beat down by the Chargers. They lost to the Giants at home. Uh, this is not a good football team, and you're gonna get Andy Reid off of a long rest because they played on Thursday night last week. So Thursday night at home, or you know, ten day rest for Andy Reid home game. They're, they need to get that season back on track after losing two straight games. The Broncos are kind of reeling right now. This this seems like a layup. Yes, sir. So I'll recap our picks. Uh, our New England Patriots, Buffalo Bills, New Orleans Saints, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Kansas City Chiefs. My Cleveland Browns, San Francisco 49ers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Atlanta Falcons, and Dallas Cowboys. Your Minnesota Vikings, Carolina Panthers, New York Jets, Indianapolis Colts, Washington Redskins. Uh, I'm teasing Cincinnati and Houston. And you're teasing Philadelphia and Seattle. So that's where we're at this week. Uh, we're staying away from Miami, Baltimore, maybe from the game entirely. Might, maybe might not watch that game at all. Um, but if you want to, watch watch their defensive line and see how they penetrate and uh, talk about how Cam Wake is going to be a Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh, so we'll be back later this week with uh, Crispy Brown, Smart Football. We I just got to hammer out time because his schedule's mad busy, you know doing lawyer stuff and shit like that but uh, <laughs> he's like doing doing productive human things instead of talking about sports 24 7 right exactly so uh <laughs> once i get the hammer down we'll be back later in the week so that'll conclude episode 56 yeah Five. or 55 Five reviews yeah something like that uh 55 56 i, I already forgot but uh yeah, leave five-star reviews. Check out SetinEdge.com, definitely, because uh, David Kang has done great work with his weekly spotlight, uh, weekly quarterback spotlight. This week, he talked about how draft Twitter, that includes the two of us, have to take our L's on Carson Wentz and just kind of enjoy that the player he's blossoming into. So definitely check that out. I'll have a piece up on Football Outsiders tomorrow talking about Aaron Donald. And make sure to check out Justice NFL 1000 stuff at Bleach Report.